Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. What's up? It's Clocked In with Jordan Edwards here. Hey, what's up? It's Jordan here with Clocked In. And we're here with the infamous coach, Michael Burt. He utilized the whole person theory in coaching high school basketball in Tennessee and became the head coach at 22 years old with a 74% winning percentage. And he won a state championship and then transitioned into building a multi-million dollar business through coaching, speaking, and writing books. So welcome, coach. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Ready to go. We're excited to have you here. So how, let's just get everyone familiar with you. How did it all start? Started when I was 15 years old, uh, a little league baseball coach of mine that was asked to coach junior pro basketball in my little small town of Tennessee, called me and said, will you help me coach this junior pro basketball team? And I was a point guard on the local basketball team. I was a pretty decent point guard. My high school coach called me professor. Right. And, and he kept saying to me, son, one of these days, you're going to be a great coach. And so at 15, I, I'd go down and coach junior pro basketball. And the minute I started coaching, I loved it. I mean, I absolutely loved it. So at 18, I went to an elementary school, became a head coach there. At 19, I went to the second largest high school in Tennessee. And by 22 years old, I had become the, the youngest head coach in the state of Tennessee at the second largest high school. So this was not some little school in the middle of nowhere. This was a football powerhouse, but they didn't have a, a great girls basketball team. They had a pretty good girls basketball team, but they had never won a championship. So it took me, uh, you know, 10 years, basically nine or 10 years to build like a national powerhouse. And then that school would go on to win seven of the next nine state championships and really become the number one team in the country multiple times. And, and, you know, that, as they say, the rest is history, man. That, that's how it happened. That's a great start. That's awesome. And I was reading that you utilize the whole person theory. Now, what exactly is that? When I was 18, I got introduced to what, who would become my, my greatest mentor of my lifetime, which was Dr. Stephen Covey. And Covey wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He wrote The Eighth Habit. He wrote First Things First. But in The Seven Habits... He talked about people being made up of four parts, a body that's physical, a mind that's mental, a heart that's emotional, and a spirit that's spiritual. Each of these parts produce different needs, different intelligences, different capacities, different dimensions. And I began to become a true um, expert 
at tapping into all four parts of a person's nature. And I was using that to coach these high school basketball players. How do I tap into the body, the mind, the heart, and the spirit? And because of that, I built what I would call competitive intelligence, meaning my players were better than other people's players. They were smarter. They were more connected. They had a higher prey drive. They had better chemistry. They had higher levels of trust. And so what that resulted in, Jordan, was winning. And and the better I coached on that theory, the more we won. And the more we won, people began to ask me, what are you doing? Because, man, it's crazy what you're doing. And I started writing all of these books behind me. So I think I'm on book number 17, maybe. And um, I started writing books. This is what I'm doing. And it was when I really began to learn that you could take a concept of something you've been successful at. You could package that concept. And then you could sell that concept and generate millions of dollars of revenue just by teaching other people what you've been successful at doing. Well, very few coaches in the world really mastered that whole person theory. So I was like the foremost expert in the world at taking that theory and and using it to build competitive intelligence in kids, right? I now still use that theory and I'm almost 44 years old. So that was, you know, 18 years ago that I really began, 18 to 25 years ago that I started using that concept, the whole person theory. And that's awesome. And when you started doing it, you were utilizing it on the girls as, let's say, uh, like sample size. Like basically you wanted to see if it worked with them. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't know it would work. I just, so you say, how do you tap into the body? That's physical, that's skill. So if you're going to grow a whole person, You need to grow their knowledge for the mind, their skills for the body, their desire for the heart, and their confidence for the spirit. Okay? That's how you grow a whole person is you don't just coach. Let's take sales, for example. I got salespeople down at the Greatness Factory right now selling my products and services. I got operations team members. And, well, what what if I just focus on sales skills or tactics or techniques like most sales trainers do, but I don't. I don't focus on drive, passion, energy, prey drive, and I don't focus on confidence. What good is it to know, have skills with no confidence? Yeah. What good is it to have confidence with no skill? What good is it to have knowledge with no desire? So until you click on the whole person, you really get a fragmented perspective. You don't, you, you don't, you got kind of a half person producing at a very low level. That's what you end up getting. Okay. And this makes total sense because a majority of America and the world in general is not operating as our best being self. Most see that every day. Most of the world. If I write, if I, I sent my publicist a book uh, yesterday because I have all these concepts. I'm writing the book Flip the Switch right now, okay. which is a book about activating the prey drive that will be out in 2021, be in all the bookstores, all the airports, uh, been been nationally published book. But man, there's another book in me called The Complacent Nation. <laughs> and the biggest fight we're fighting right now is complacency. The biggest fight a person fights is comfort. The biggest suppressor of prey drive is satisfied needs. Why, why put extra effort in? Why go the extra mile? Why, why learn something? Why listen to a podcast? Why show up early? Like, like we're, we're, we're a nation in the United States of laziness. So, so you wonder why some people dominate and other people don't. It's not that those people are smarter, although sometimes they are smarter. What they really have is a much higher prey drive, which is an instinct to see something and take action on it. That's really what separates people. Like a dog has a prey drive to see something and go get it. 
Yeah. I, like, like I was at my buddy's house this weekend and a door to door salesman came knocking on the door to sell, to sell a security system. That dog yeah. was just laying, the dog was just laying there like this. Soon as, soon as that doorbell rang, he like jumped up and boom, that's prey drive. Well, Americans need that. They need to activate their prey drive. And I would consider myself a specialist at activating that drive in people. Awesome. So you focus on the entirety of the person, which is very interesting. But how did you start with the books? Like, obviously, you could view yourself as I'm, I'm a high school basketball coach. A lot of people stay in here and they might stay here for 60 plus years. But Most. what caused you to go? I mean, it was probably the prey drive. It was it was two things. One, it was an instinct in me, right? Like, like, like the instinct was, man, I've been doing this. I'm only 25 years old. That's when I started writing books. I'm only 25, but man, I've been doing this for 10 years. And I, and it's not that I achieved mastery, but, but there's a lot of things that I needed to know that, that I couldn't seem to find, right? Like how do you help? So my first book was a book to help young coaches and it was called changing lives through coaching. Now I would come back. Many years later, when I was more defined, I had more of a philosophy, and I would write this book, which became a bestseller for me called Everybody Needs a Coach in Life. Yeah. Now, but the, the genesis of this book started when I was 25 years old, and it was called Changing Lives Through Coaching because I had a belief. And the belief was uh, a good coach could change your life. If you have a good coach in your life, change everything, man. So I wrote a book for coaches. Okay, now here's the interesting thing because I felt – obligated to I felt like man I'm 25 I was the youngest head coach in Tennessee I've done a few things I had done a lot but I could help young coaches right like yeah. there's no manual for me so I made a lot of mistakes and um, so I write this book for young coaches here's the funny thing Jordan coaches wouldn't buy it couldn't sell it to coaches but guess who did buy it, it got in the hands of business people and business really? people managers uh, leaders this was, this was in, uh, let's see, 25 years old. This was in 2000, early 2000s. Um, this was when business coaching was just taking off. Okay. Okay. Like it was a new trend for businesses to have a coach. Like you had Tony yeah. Robbins in the 90s that was more hype, you know, and energy and, and those things. But, you, but business coaching was nowhere near where it is today, which is a multi-billion dollar demographic today in those days it was kind of uncommon like sports people had coaches but not a lot of business people had coaches so it was new and so some of these managers that were kind of typically sports buffs these are people who love sports right they they would say man this this dude's got a book and he seems like on top of his game when it comes to motivation and he's winning games and he's young and upcoming like let's have him speak to our people and so it was companies like State Farm Insurance, National Healthcare, Dell Computers, Vanderbilt University. Um, they would just bring me in to speak because I had a book. And I would go in and speak for 30, 40 minutes, maybe an hour. And many of those people started saying, will you come back? We loved it. Like, man, you, you got something. Like, you could, this is good. And I'm like, no, I'm not interested. You know, I'm, I'm coaching. Like, remember, I'm a head coach. I'm trying to build a championship culture. Like, I was really focused on yeah, building yeah. a championship. But then they started offering me, you know, just significant amounts of money. 
You know, if you come back and coach our team, we'll pay you six figures. And I started going, you know, maybe I'm interested. And, but I really wasn't focused on money. I really wanted to just win a championship, to be honest with you. And so I did win a championship. So I had accomplished everything I set out to do. I'd been there 10 years. And then a healthcare company came along and said, look, we'll give you uh, $150,000 to be our coach. Oh, and that, that was more money than I was making. Significant. It was two or three times what I yeah. was making. So I retired at 31 years old and started a, a corporate coaching company. Uh, and initially, all I did was coach businesses. The businesses would hire me. I would come in. I didn't know it at the time, but I was really activating the prey drive and their people. And uh, then individuals started coming to me saying, how do we get coached by you? Because we're not a business. We're just a little small business. And, and I, with, I developed, that, yeah. with that, I didn't mean to cut you off, but with that first healthcare company that took you on, was this just based on your books and your philosophy and your speaking with them? Or did they, because you didn't really have a great, like you had the basketball team as a sample size. Yeah. It, it was based on my charisma. It was based on my energy. It was based on my mindset. What they were really buying, in my opinion, was my, was my, my energy. Yeah. What they were really buying is, man, my first deal in the healthcare company was nursing homes. So, okay. you know, I was going into, ner- I was not going into glamorous places, man. I was going into to, to, to rough places. And the owners, it was mostly people that were hiring me at that time. And, and some of those people were independently owned places. They were wealthy people who said, man, our people need to be motivated. They need to be excited. They need to be enthusiastic. Let's, let's bring this dude in because that's yeah. what he does. And so at first it was like, hey, this dude's got a lot of energy, a lot of juice, good methodology. Our people like him. He's got great personality. And what they were really buying early was just my, my confidence, my energy. Then it become later in life. Now people are buying my methodology. Like now yeah. I have a, a true methodology. Now I have a true sales system. Now I have true follow-up mechanisms. Now I have true success stories. Now I have, so now people hire me for everything from strategy to uh, my selling systems to my methodologies. And where do you think that confidence and motivation really came from in the beginning? I think it came from the way I was raised by a single mother. I think, I think came from my experiences in high school. I was, I was a, a, a officer in a national honor society so I traveled the world and spoke to other, you know, thousands of kids when I was 15, 16 years old. Uh, I think I, I drew a tremendous amount of confidence from knowing that I was a great coach. Like, like, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, somebody that, that is, was blessed with just incredible looks or I'm not tall. I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm bald. I, I don't like, but, but, but let me tell you something. When it comes to coaching, man, I, the good Lord just blessed me with incredible talent. And that's what I've hung my hat on for years is I would match my coaching up with any coach in the world. And because look at my pedigree, 15 years old, right? I've yeah. really been coaching for 28 years and I'm only 44 years old. Yeah. So a lot of the people I compete against that are really, really good are, do not have the same skill set I have. Like, like they, they may be authors or speakers or sales trainers, but they, but they're not real coaches like me. Okay. Yeah. I've, I'm a real coach. I've won real championships. I, I have broken down concepts like a real coach does. So I just have a different background. I think that's where my confidence comes from is I literally know, you know, when I spoke at 10X and with all the great people, me, Ed Milet, Damon John, Tim Story, Grant Cardone, Brad Lee, like it was clear to me 
and to the audience that there was a difference between what I bring and what they bring, not better or worse. It's just different. Like I'm a coach. Many of them are not coaches. So I was only kind of the only pure coach that spoke at 10X the year I spoke at 10X. So I just think that makes me a little bit different. Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up later in the conversation because I was just curious how you, but it seems like you've always been speaking and you've always been open to these engagements because you know, like you mentioned at a very young age and then you jumped to it uh, when you started getting involved and then the 10X. So where did that speaking skill come from? Obviously at a young age, but there's a completely different voice when you're a coach of a basketball team going, yeah. motivating these people, than the player who's running around doing his thing. So, and most so, people don't want to do that at your, at such a young age. I was fascinated by the motivational and, and psychological side of, of winning, of inter-engineering people, right? To me, I'm a coach that speaks. I'm not a speaker. So if you ever sit through one of my sessions, you feel like you've been coached for an hour, like you've been challenged. I've pushed you. I've hit every button. You may be laughing. You may be crying. Like, like when I'm done, I'm, I'm sweating because it's not like I just got up there and gave a canned speech. Like I've spent an hour coaching you. Okay. So for me, the decade that I was a coach, I, I was coaching, but I was building my my rhythm and my cadence. And then I started speaking a lot. I'm talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And so I started to build this rhythm to how I speak, this cadence to how I communicate. So I'm really a coach that has a very strong communication skill set. And then when you put me in front of people, it doesn't matter if it's 10 people or 10,000 people, I'm still coaching. I'm not speaking. And there, to me, there's a big difference between, you know, there's speaking coaches out there that help you become a better speaker. And, you know, and that's great. I think that's great. But, but I think that would actually screw me up because, because, you know, I would probably get kicked out of Toastmasters. Uh, I never went to Toastmasters, although I've made millions of dollars speaking. Um, people would, would say like, this dude is not, is adequate, is not correct. But when I get on that stage and start communicating and connecting with people, it don't matter. All it's out the window. They, they can, can feel the passion. Yeah. They can feel the passion with you. And where, like, I think it's difficult to comprehend because most people have a mentor or some guidance or, so who was that for you? When I first started speaking, I had a neighbor, oddly enough, I was living in a $119,000 condo. I loved it. Two bedroom condo. I thought I was rich and it even had a glass tin patio on it, which made me feel extra rich. And um, my neighbor, a guy named Gail Stoner, was a speaker in the healthcare space or, you know, something like that. And, and he would just give me a little count, little tips. and Oh, you need to do this. And you're going to need a speaker kit. You're going to need a one sheet. And, and he really kind of gave me some counsel and guidance. And then I went to the National Speakers Association conferences where some at that time, the NSA, National Speakers Association, was like a big deal. Every major speaker in the world would go to that and speak. And you could go to one place for a three-day period and see the best. Like I'm talking the best in the world, like one after another, after another. I would just sit there, boom, 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 take notes, take notes, take notes. And so then I began to hire coaches, you know, and have different coaches. I didn't have one mentor, but I had these series of coaches in my life that I've paid. Now I have people coaching me in different areas of my life. Right. So so it has it hasn't been one mentor. It's been a collection of individuals 
now when I watch a person speak, I'm taking notes and I'm communicating and I'm, and I'm, and I'm figuring out, okay, I see the, the, the rhythm the dude has and I see how he says this. And now I've gone, now I've gone to things to, and paid to, to become better at those things. Yeah. And you become, and you kind of understand the awareness of what's going on at that time. Yes. Because once you see the change and someone points it out to you one time, then it's obvious the next time you're going. So when you made that jump to business, what were you concerned? Did you have an agenda? Did you, or was it, we got invited, we're going to put everything together and let's hope they enjoy it. I'm going to give them my all. Yeah. That's kind of how it was. Like I didn't have an agenda. I literally in the beginning just wanted to go in there and be good. And then when I was really good, you know, T.D. Jake said something once. He said, I never set out to be famous. I set out to be effective. And the more effective I was, the more famous I became. I would go into speaking engagement just thinking, man, it's going to be great. I'm going to go in there and speak. We're going to have fun. I didn't go into it with all the pressure to sell, uh, you know. And I think actually when I go in with pressure to sell a lot, it actually affects my performance. Okay. I, I want to go in there and just connect with people. And I want to bring an hour of value where they want me to be their coach, where they walk up to me and say, I want you to coach me. Okay. You know, when I spoke at 10X, we did, we did over a year or two, you know, almost a million dollars of new business for my company from speaking for one hour. Those are people that connected with me. Those are people who believed in me. Those are people who aligned with me. They could have chosen anybody, but they chose me. So, now I try not to put that pressure on me. I got to go here and make a hundred thousand in this speaking engagement. I got to go in and sell everybody in the room. And I, and I think when I do do that, it, it diminishes the effectiveness of my coaching because I'm more worried about selling something than coaching. And do you think that's because you hit that success point or is it that the money's not as reliant? Like when you were younger, you probably needed the money a little bit more. I did, but I didn't think about it as much. Now I think about the money a lot more because now I'm running a bigger company. I've got more overhead. You know, I got a, I got a private jet. Like now, now I think about the money a little bit more than I did then. Like then is going there and try to be good, man, and hope that I get something. Now I'm, now I'm watching the sales team. Like is everything set up? How many books do we sell today? How many, how many leads do we collect? Like now there's a business side to it that, you know, that I didn't think about in the beginning. In the beginning, I didn't even collect information. I mean, I'd sell a few books. I'd sell them myself. I'd speak. I didn't have a team of people. Now I think about running a business, running an enterprise. Like, like, hey, man, we, we're in front of 500 people. We should generate 100 to $200,000 here. And what, what were those major differences that allowed that to occur? From the jump of I'm going from just basketball coach and dominating there to I'm going to the business world and I got to understand these new principles. Well, there, there are economic realities of the business world that, you know, as a basketball coach, I was on a fixed income. Yeah. Like, like I made the same amount no matter how many games I won. Yeah. Then you go out and start a business and, and you kind of reach this point of like, do you want to be big? Do you want to be small? Most speakers that do what I do have like one person. They have an agent or they have an assistant. I've chosen to have sales team, operation members, marketing units. Like I've chosen to be more of an enterprise. Okay. But when you take on that enterprise model, of course, you can get bigger and you can sell more than most people. Um, but, but you've got more overhead, you've got more expense, you've got more risk, right? But you also have risk of staying small because how big can you get with you and one person? 
Yeah. Like, like I've got friends that's got like one person and you know, I would never rely on one person. Like we're making hundreds of phone calls. We're generating thousands of leads a month. Like yeah. I've generated 3000 leads in the last 90 days through my click funnels, oh, through wow. my website, through, and, and, and those people are getting called. Like I need more people to call those people. So, so my point is I got buddies that, you know, they generate leads and they got one person like calling people. I'm like, man, and they don't even follow up with them. And I, and I just don't see how you can show really rapid growth and do hit big numbers. Like I want to hit, Yeah. you know, without a team of people. And what keeps you motivated to want to keep going instead of the area where you were at the state championship and you go, that's what I want. I'm out. When Covey impacted me the way he did, he changed my life. And I didn't really even know him. Like it wasn't like he was my one-to-one coach. It's like I read his stuff and I met him once. And I something activated inside of me. And I said, I want to become the next Covey. Like I want to be that big. I, I want to sell 30 million books. I want to speak on stages. I want to go to 79 different countries. I want to spend my life helping other people like he did. Like something just inside of me said, this is what I want to be. This is when I, when I, when I grow up, this is what I want to be. And I remember when I retired from athletic coaching, I had a whiteboard in in my house and I just wrote up there what my goal was. It's simple to become the next Covey. Yeah. And Tim's story, who's a good friend of mine, celebrity life coach. He and I are doing this event, these events around the country called uh, the comeback campaign. I'm doing one in Nashville, the 20th. I'm doing one in Dallas, the 26th. Okay. And um, Tim's story, when we really started spending time with each other, uh, has a gift of recognizing other people's gifts. He's a pastor. He's got a deep spiritual side. He's spoken in 79 countries. He did big revivals. He's just a really cool dude. But his real gift is seeing something in you. And within just a little bit of time of us spending time with each other, he said to me, you're the modern day Covey. And, and here's, yeah. here's the interesting thing. He didn't know. I had never told him that that was my goal. That was my dream. I didn't tell him about the whiteboard. He said, you're, you have the depth of Covey, but you have all this energy and intensity. Covey was not an energetic and intense dude. He was just very deep. And Tim's story within, I mean, the first day that we really spent time together, he said, coach, I got to tell you something. He said, I see something in you. And I said, well, what is it? He said, you're the modern day Covey, man. You, you are Covey, the young version of Covey, except you're modern and you're cool and you got energy and you got, and I'm like, dang, man, that's amazing. Cause I didn't tell you that that's what my dream was. My dream was to become the modern day Covey. Yeah. That's amazing. So, so that's, that's kind of my Covey story. And now I haven't affected as many people as Covey has or did. He was, you know, lived to be 79 years old. I'm only 43. But, but I wake up every day with that drive inside of me to just to be known, man. I, I grew up and, and, I, and I didn't have a very strong relationship with my father. He had, they, my parents had me when they were 18, 16. My mom was 16. My dad was 18. My dad was, you know, wild. And uh, so I didn't really have this known relationship. So many years later, you know, I had this burning desire to to become known, right? Like, like, like my dad didn't really know me. Now I have a good relationship with my dad. Now he's a great guy, but early on, I mean, for 20 years, we didn't have a relationship. He never came to one baseball game. He never he told me he loved me. He never like that. It was just a strange yeah. deal. 
Well, then I came back and wrote this book. Uh, this is one of my one of my best selling books called Person of Interest. Well, yeah. Person of Interest is about being known. And here's the interesting thing. Now, some people think this is too Freudian. I got a psychologist that's a good friend of mine. And she and I go back and forth with this. Uh, is that yeah. Freud Freud believed that that many of our desires that we have later in life are to start with a, a desire to he- heal a wound from your past. Like you want to be famous because you grew up as a kid and people made fun of you and, and right. Like you, you, yeah. nobody, you weren't known. Well, I always ask is, was it because I wasn't really known by my father that I, that I had a desire to become known or famous in the world? Maybe, maybe not. Now my psychologist, she, she thinks that's a, that's BS. She, she's like, too Freudian for me. You know, we didn't get into the whole discussion, but we did have a great discussion about it. And she, she, she didn't think that was why I wanted to be known, but who knows? Well, I love that chase because you, you, people are always curious of why someone keeps going and what keeps them motivated and where, where's the next step. And I, I follow you got to follow this guy on Instagram too. He is all over the place, every direction, doing a bunch of different stuff. So what's go What's going on with you right now? Like, what are you, what are you up to now? Right now I'm building or building out a greatness factory in Nashville, which is a big vision I had three or four years ago, a greatness factory. Think of it as a city of energy where the best people in every community will come. There's podcast studios, uh, offices for rent, permanent offices, auditorium for training, uh, shared office space, gym, meditation spot. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just a cool space, man. It's, 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 that's a little city, right? Where, yeah. which will attract, I call them exchanges of energy. So people will come here and exchange energy, ideas, money, deals, capital. And so I'm building the first one in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm at the, at the best location where I think is the most exclusive location in Nashville called the 505, which is downtown Nashville, one block off Broadway. So if you ever come to Nashville, it is literally in the hub of where all the music, everything is. Yeah. And, yeah. um, so that's a big, big project for me. It's a big financial commitment for me, but it's something I feel passionate about because once I build this one, I want to license and franchise these around the country so other people can have their own. You can have one in Tampa. You can have one in Seattle. You can have one. And you say, why would you want one? Because because that's where the action is going to be, man. That's where all the action is going to be. It's where all the energy is going to be. It's where the best people in the world are going to come. So that's that's a big thing I'm working on right now. And with everyone, and I think it's a great idea, especially with everyone moving to this new normal with coronavirus, and a lot of people are going to be able to work from home. But like you were saying, those go-getters are going to need a space to go. Yeah, because I could work from home now, but I don't. Yeah. You know, my team is not working from home because we love yeah. the energy, man. We want to be around energy. Uh, so that's a big thing I'm working on right now. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on this tour called the comeback tour with the comeback campaign with Tim story and Sharon Lecter, Sharon Lecter co-wrote rich dad, poor dad. Okay. Um, she wrote the first 10 books with Kiyosaki. So she's a very powerful woman and another, a whole host of people that were, you know, we're doing Nashville and Dallas and we're doing live events. So we're still, we're hosting these live events and people are coming, people are buying tickets. So still we're excited. Still doing your thing. That's awesome. And you mentioned energy a bunch of times. How important is that? Because most people don't go, what's my energy at today? Where am I at? And they ignore it. And it's, I'm having a bad day. I'm low. I'm doing this. It's everything. It's everything. Low energy people do do very little in the world. You know, it's, it's like having a bad attitude. 
right? Like yeah. bad attitudes make for very hard lives on people. People with bad attitudes have low energy. So think about light and darkness, okay? okay. This is a simple concept. Darkness is low, wasted, negative energy. Light is positive energy, which is why when you turn lights on, it overtakes the darkness because it's much higher energy, much higher frequency. So, so what I try to bring is a very high frequency, a very high energy, a very a big conviction, and most of the world operates at a low frequency. Therefore, they have low energy. Most of it has to do with the body. Most of it has to do with the diet. Most of it has to do with their energy levels. Most of it has to do with, you know, you know, oh, I go, yeah, I mean, to the next question. How there's, do you, there's a, there's a whole, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm a, 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 a partner in an F45, which is the fastest growing gym in the United States. I work out there in the, in the mornings. I do very aggressive workouts. I'm on a specific nutrition plan. Uh, I go to the number one energy doctor in the world in Houston, Texas for my energy levels. So I'm very serious about my goals. I'm very, I understand that to do the kind of things I want to do, I need very high levels of energy, right? I need a strong immune system. I need, I, you know, I, I, that's me. I'm willing to spend the money to go to the number one doctor. I'm willing to spend the money on the right nutrition. I'm willing to spend the money on the gyms because I got big goals, man. And, and it takes a lot of energy to do big things, to help the number of people I want to help. Requires yeah. an enormous amount of energy. Yeah, I completely agree. And with uh, with Edwards Consulting, which is the firm I run, we do mental health, physical health, community service philanthropy, family, friends, spirituality. And it seems like you encompass all of this. Yeah. So how do you check yourself? See, maybe you might be focusing too much on your business and then your family falls off. But I, I don't see you as that type of guy. Now, no, I, I believe in a word called two words, intentional congruence. Okay. And intentional congruence is where everything in my life feeds everything in my life, meaning body, mind, heart, spirit, relationships. Uh, I, I don't believe that success in one role justifies failure in another role. Just because I'm a good business guy doesn't mean I, I can be a lousy husband or a lousy dad. Right. Like, like, like yeah. I, have two, I have two kids, a seven year old is about to be eight. And I have a, a, a eight week old, two month old son. And they, they need the best of me. So it has to do with, I need more time in a day. So I get up earlier. Right. Like, like typically I get up early, I get up at five. I'm working out at six. I come home and see my family at seven. I go to work at eight. I have a very hard schedule throughout the day with my team. And then I go home and spend time with my family. I take Saturday off every Saturday, completely off. And unless I'm speaking and I spend time with my family and I go on date nights with my seven-year-old daughter, we may go to our place in Nashville and spend three days together. When I, when I'm with my kids, I want to be with them. Right. And I'm trying yeah. to, I'm trying to fit it, fit it in, but I'm just doing life. And my wife is involved in our businesses. She, she handles all the real estate that we purchase. She does all the hospitality for my retreats. She loves her. She runs the health division of my company, monster health. So that's intentional congruence, man. Everything is feeding everything. And have you, has your wife, has she always been a big motivator for you and really involved in the business or how, how did that work? Cause you know, my, my wife has got her own book called, this is her book here called living, living with a monster. <laughs> and uh, it's about how you live with an obsessed person like me. Yeah. But here's the deal. It's not a bad book, you know, 
uh, my coaching program is called Monster Producer. So, so what she's saying is, here's how you live with this legendary person. If you are in a relationship with the person that's really dominant, a dominant player in the world, how do you live with it? How do you deal with it? How do you not compete with it? How do you cooperate with it? So early on in, when we first started dating, no, my wife had never been exposed. She was a little country girl from West Tennessee. She'd never been exposed to personal development. She had never thought about reading books and going to seminars and any of those things. And then she flipped the switch, man. Now, now she's got her own book. Now she's got her own concepts. Now she's leading the health division of our company. Now she's managing the real estate. Now, now she's doing big things. And that's what allowed it all to work and you guys to be in this that's group right. that you refer to. That's right. Another thing, how do you, a lot of people just would get tunnel vision and be like, I'm coaching. I coach the insurance industry, blah, 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 blah. You're in a wide range of things. You just talked about your health line. You talked about your real estate, your product. What what goes on? You come up with the idea, execute, or what? Yeah, I'm interested in a lot of things. I mean, I I don't think we were hardwired to be interested in just one thing. I think we're multifaceted people. I think we're multifaceted and multi-talented. Like, I can be interested in a lot of things. Like, I can build a greatness factory and do coaching and have the health division and, and be part of owner of a gym. And, you know, it's like my my talent can be picked up and used in different areas. Okay? Yeah. It doesn't have to be used in one area. And I think that's a problem is too many people define themselves in one area. Like this is all I can do. No, I used to be a high school teacher, you know, and teachers would say, man, I'm miserable. I hate teaching. I hate kids. And I'd say, well, why, are you, why are you sticking around for 30 years? And they'd say, cause it's the only thing I can do. And I'd be like, what? The only thing you can do. Like, man, I'm coaching teaching, writing books, speaking, doing boot camps. Like, man, that's not the only thing you can do. It's the only thing you think you can do. I don't, this is a very limited mindset. I can be a real, I'm a real estate developer, a real estate, uh, you know, investor. I, you know, I mean, I mean, I got, I got a lot going on, man. We only get one life. I completely agree with that. There are some people who literally look at others and go, you're, you're crazy. And I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Like, let me be my own psychotic. But how do you, so what, what keeps you like when you go into these different directions and find interest, I feel like you can't be an expert in every single category. So how do you go into it? You don't have to be you, okay. you're just an expert at what you do. Yeah. Okay. Like, like, well, let's take this gym that I'm, I'm taking interest in. Okay. You no, know, my, my expertise is taking a concept and making it work. Okay. So I can do that with a gym. I can do it with whatever you give me. I mean, you could give me a, you know, selling whatever. And I know how to make it work. That's my, that's my, that's my superpower is I can take a concept and make money with the concept. So if the gym's struggling, I can easily walk in and say, oh, here's the five areas you're struggling. Like boom, 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 boom. I don't even have to understand how the gym works. I just know we need customers. We need to keep customers. We need to bring more people into the gym. That's what we need to do. See, this is, a, this is a myth. A lot of people believe, I had a guy, I was speaking at an engagement a long ago, and this, this guy said to me, well, you, you know, you don't really understand our business. Like, our business is unique, okay? You know how many times I've heard this in my career? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, look, man, do you have to get customers? Yes. Do you have to satisfy those customers? Yes. Are you trying to get more customers? Yes. Do you have to deliver on what you promised? Yes. Well, then your business is not unique. 
You may think it's unique, but it ain't unique. Every business, the purpose of the business is to generate customers. Then you have to fulfill whatever you sold the customer. Then you're trying to get more customers. So people think this in their mind, like my, I'm so unique. And I understand we're, we're, it's kind of a narcissistic thought that we're special, right? We're unique. And, and I'm not saying we're not, but, but listen, there's a lot of talented people in the world, man. I'm just one of them, right? I have my skill set. You have your skill set. But, but I don't have to understand everything about your business to grow your business. Okay. I don't understand yeah. how, how a computer works, but that don't mean I don't use it, you know? And so, you know, I don't understand everything in the Bible, but that don't mean I don't read it. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, so my point is to people make things complicated, man. And the simplicity is what allows for success yeah. to occur. Simple system. Yes. Simple system. So what is a simple system that every person could implement into their life to, let's say they're a low energy person or not enjoying life. How, what's something that they could do? Like really simply one thing expose, that would change. Expose themselves to people who are operating at high frequencies. Do what you're okay. doing. Okay. Inter interview top people. Hang around successful people. Get place yourself in places of high energy. Like, oh, I don't like my work. I don't like the people around my work. I don't like the people there. Right. Well, get around better people. Okay. Yeah. Get a better job. Like, like, like. I understand. Like, like, you know. And I'm not knocking what's going on right now in the world. But let me tell you something. When it comes to unemployment, there's all kinds of jobs people can do. They just don't want to do them. Okay. If, if somebody came to me and said, I could sell a million dollars of your books. If you just gave me half a million, I'd say, okay, go to work. <laughs> right. If you're unemployed and you want to come work for me, just come show me how you can make more money for me and I'll share the money with you. So, yeah. so just sitting around the house and saying, it's so hard, man. Nobody's hiring. They laid me off from my job. Well, let me tell you something from owning the business. I don't lay off people that are valuable. People that help make money. Guess what? We don't let go of them. We try to find ways to make it work. Now, we may have to change your compensation. We may have to go to some type of profit sharing. We may have to do some revenue model. We may have to shift things if it ain't right. But I don't, I don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what? She's making a lot of money for us. Let's get rid of her. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I say that one over there has got a bad attitude and they ain't helping us make any money. If we, somebody's got to go, that one's going. So see people, yeah. people like, oh, I got laid off, you know, because of COVID and I don't have a job. And there's nothing for me to do. I guarantee you could find plenty of things to do that people would pay you to do if you just wanted to, right? Yeah. Just sitting at home on your couch ain't looking for a job, by the way. Okay. So <laughs> you don't want me to get me started on the, on the unemployment folks. Oh yeah. It's, it's pretty bad, especially with them giving that extra income bonus incentivizes them even less to work. It's not good. It's a lazy, it's a lazy person's way out of working, man. You, yeah. Anybody, listen, if I, if, if I lost everything, if I lost everything, I guarantee you I could go get hired by somebody to do something. Mow their grass, grocery shop for them, babysit their kids, clean, clean, clean whatever. Yeah. I could find something to do that somebody would pay me something. And it would be in excess of what they're handing out unemployment checks for. So I'm not listening to people who say I can't get a job and it's too hard. This is, this is the greatest country in the world. There is more opportunity than you can imagine. There's 7 billion people on planet earth. You're telling me that you can't find one person that you could help that would get, that would compensate you in the form of money. It's not true. So it's not, I could drive, I could drive somebody around. I can d d deliver things. I can babysit kids, man. It's, it's full, man.
can't, I can't deal with it. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. Associated. You don't want to be. Uh, yeah, I see you getting worked up. You don't even want to be around it. I'm not associated with people who think like that. Yeah. So, what is one of the key ways that you power your network and find the right people to be around? And like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like gravitate toward like. Association okay. breeds assimilation. You create value, you will attract people. I've been on the phone today with two hundred million dollar dudes. They're both worth a hundred million. They're the best at what they do. How how do I get their phone numbers? How do I text back and forth with them? How do I how do because I bring something to the table? Energy, ideas, strategy, motivation. I don't walk around with my knees and elbows down, right? I I I come in and I go. I'm an immediate asset to you. Like you're going to want me in your life. I'm going to bring energy, ideas, tactic, strategy, connection, relationships, positivity. Right. And I have no problem co- uh, connecting with the biggest people in the world because I bring something of value. So if you want to build deep networks, I talk about this in the book, person of interest, you become a person of interest when you bring ingredients of people of interest. Like you bring something to the table that's valuable, a solution, Right, a connection, and uh, that's how you build networks. And and your net worth is in direct proportion to the people you hang out with. For sure, for sure. And I, I see people trying to fix this issue all the time, but yet they keep hanging out with the same kids. And I go, I don't want to hang out with the same kids. I want new friends. Me neither. And go, yeah, yeah, you go. Go hang out with all the people that don't want to work and see how much money y'all can find. <laughs> Trust me, there ain't no money to be found there. There's excuses. You cannot deposit excuses. Take the excuse down to the bank. Take the excuse to Kroger and try to buy some groceries. Take the excuse to a hotel and say, I want to stay the night, but I just want to pay in excuses. <laughs> deposit excuses. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I mean, it's so true, and there's not enough people saying it because that's rude because they're down and out right now. And, and They got the same opportunity I do, Jordan, every day. I get up every yeah. day. I go to work every day. I show up every day. I don't make excuses. I don't whine. I don't complain. I don't make excuses. I create value. And when did you realize that, like, obviously you go into basketball and you start out this first book. When did you realize you were onto something a little bit different than, like, basketball teaching, there's a lot of people who stay in that path, but you seem to want more and get excited and i understand the covey thing but what what's really yeah when i was 25 years old i spoke it i spoke somewhere and they paid me more in an hour than i than i made in a month oh wow and, and i'm like okay that was like, all from the book I, like i write about that in the book single digit millionaire okay about how you find your skill and then leverage that skill to make more money. And that's kind of like our interview today is really almost right out of the book, single digit millionaire, which is this one right here. Okay. It it really answers the question. The big question you've asked me is how did you go from a high school basketball coach? The subtitle is high school basketball coach to millionaire. And the book is about how I did it. But more importantly, not just about me, it's about how you can do it. This sounds like everyone's got to pick it up. I'm definitely going to pick up a copy. And it's free. It's free right now on my site. I think I think we're giving we're giving like my top four books free. You pay like nine ninety nine or ten bucks for the shipping, and and we give it to you for free. Yeah, this sounds like you can't. This is a not miss situation. So, what 
is your favorite thing about life right now? Because we need some excitement during coronavirus. And then we'll just get your information on where people can reach you. And I'm, I'm, I'm great question, man. I'm excited. I got a new kid that breathed life into me. That's eight weeks old. I got a great seven-year-old daughter. I got a beautiful wife. I got an incredible life, man. I'm just excited to get up every day and pursue my potential, man. You said a word earlier that, that stuck with me, chase. I'm in a chase toward my potential. And every day that satisfies my hunger is I don't know what we're going to do today, but, but, but by George, we're going to get up and try it and do something big. And that's what I want people to think right now. Quit contracting, quit playing scared, quit whining, quit complaining, quit allowing external factors to control you. Take your life back, get up and, and get moving towards something. That's the solution to our problems. Get moving, take action. I love it, Coach. And they can find me. I gotta, I'm about to get on another coaching call, but they can find me. Thank you, number one. You did a great – you asked some great questions, man. Yeah, I'm really glad you were and, able and to – And I don't say that to everybody. I know, I know there's speakers out there that say that to every single person that interviews them. I do not say that because some people ask bad questions. Um, but you're very inquisitive and you're very curious, and that feeds a great interview. Uh, so they can find me a simple go to coachbert.com. They can follow me on Instagram at Michael Burt, M-I-C-H-E-A-L, uh, or search Coach Michael Burt. I've got 1,070-something videos on YouTube. Man, I'd love to be your coach. So let's, let's, let's do it. You reach out to me, and I'll get back to you. This is definitely a man to check out. Don't Thank let you, it fly. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the entirety of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, which I hope you did, I'd really appreciate if you leave a five-star review and subscribe as we're going to keep putting out better and better content. If you want to keep up with us and who's going to be a guest and who's going to be on the show, follow me at at Jedwards559 on Instagram. It's J-E-D-W-A-R-D-S 559 on Instagram. I really hope you guys keep clocking in and you learn some valuable information from this podcast. And I hope to see you again soon. Everyone have a great day. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.